what does Valentine's Day mean to you? To me, it means commercialism. Um, it's like that one day buy stuff, Maya. Um, just just kind of put all your eggs into that one basket, and then you're either going to be really happy or you're going to be really miserable. But let's kind of ignore all the underlying things that might <laughs> might be going on. I think I don't feel that strongly either way about it. I think, Herbie, you like to celebrate things, events and occasions a lot more than I do. They can pass me by and I have no idea. And I think that's probably a conditioning thing because within, within my family, um, you know, I, I don't recall as a young kid my parents celebrating Valentine's Day or even anniversaries. It was mm. quite... Um, it was quite simple and yeah there wasn't much people they were busy like they didn't even mm. I think have time to stop and think that it's this particular date whereas I think in Herbie Singh's family those occasions were celebrated and and they were kind of um marked in in a, in a nice big way so I think we're just different in that way mm. and so over at the beginning I think initially I think I would I found it difficult to I think it just went against my conditioning. So whatever goes against your conditioning, it kind of, it, it kind of feels unusual, unfamiliar, and so I would, I would kind of react against it. I used to think, why do we have to celebrate it? And you'd want to do like get flowers and, you know, buy gifts, and I'd never want to do that. And um, but now, as time's gone on, I think, um, I'm yeah, I'm. Either way, like I think Harbi Singh wants to celebrate. He asked me today, actually. He said, oh, can we celebrate Valentine's Day? Mm. And I said, okay. And he was like, I want to do, I want to get this. I want to get you a gift. I was like, oh, can you bake me a chocolate cake? Because I really like chocolate cake. <laughs> so I was like, if you want to do something, mm. bake me a chocolate cake. And he was like, all right then. And then, um, you know, and so I think we've got to a point in marriage at this particular phase that we're going through where we're kind of a bit easier on on each other with things. Like there are so many differences between us and those haven't changed very much. You know how people say as you, as you, you grow together and you become more similar maybe, or mm. you, I don't know, you kind of become more aligned in some ways. I think, um, we haven't all that much in us in a, on a spiritual, I think level uh, in a spiritual way we probably have, but in all other worldly ways, we are very, very different. And, but I think it's that spiritual aspect that really allows us to make room for those differences and to be tolerant and to be understanding and be like, if he wants to celebrate, it's not a big deal if, you know, and I think you probably feel the same, but I'm not sure. You... <laughs> yeah. I think, think there is some conditioning. Yeah. My mom would celebrate every occasion because it was instilled that we're blessed to have this opportunity to have another birthday or have another year. So let's yeah. mark it in some way. So once I got in Sikhi, we would just have Geetan and then any reason someone graduated, someone had a birthday, any reason like that to celebrate. And Valentine's Day, it, it's probably been more of an informal thing since we've been married. To add some context, we've been married for 11 years. And Benji, how long have you been married for? It's going to be 17 years this wow, year. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. And given that 50% of marriages don't make it past the three-year mark, I think that's a, you know, we're really blessed to be in that category. And so we would celebrate. And when I was a kid in high school, I would get my mum a rose on Valentine's Day. From I grew up in Southall. There's a florist next to the high school I went to. 
and I would walk home with a with a rose and give her a rose on Valentine's Day just because um I my mum was my everything at that point in time. So that's kind of the my background. And now we don't celebrate it formally, but we I probably like to make something for her or or buy her some flowers or something like that. I think for a very long time, um and I still can I fall into this a lot. Um the, the, I had very strong ideas of good and bad and right and wrong. So like based on whatever I did or whatever I was taught or whatever I had come to believe from wherever, whether it's family, whether it's peers at school, whether it was even from um, kind of a spiritual angle, Bajaraks or particular schools of thought, psychological perspectives, and um, and I'd accumulated all of these ideas about good and bad, what's right and wrong. What's gurmat? Yeah, exactly. That that fell into that. That was a part of it. Before I'd actually um, developed at all spiritually, I had a, a. I had in my eyes, I think I had. A, I thought I had a lot of knowledge and about what was the right way to practice sikhi and mm. the right way to be married according to gurmat, and and the wrong way was this, and the right way was this, and that. It's kind of, and then inevitably, when when you're on your own, that's fine mm-hmm. because you can practice the way you want and you can live in the way that you want. When you get married, mm-hmm. you've got somebody else who's got their views of right and wrong, and if you're holding on too tightly to those, and it's funny because before marriage, I believed that it was a really good thing to have strong morals. So in my eyes, it was strong morals, strong values, strong rules about what was right and wrong, mm-hmm. and I thought that was a part of being religious. And so when it came to getting married, I think one of the biggest sources of conflict um, was that I wasn't able to make room for for his way of, of living, which was going to be different based on his conditioning and his own experiences. Mm. So there was me who, you know, was very strict about certain things within a Sikhi and Harbir Singh felt very differently about those things. And it was really, um, I think, a shock to, to me because you go into marriage thinking, here's your kind of soulmate mm. and they're going to help you on your spiritual jivan and you're going to get closer to Sikhi. And then mm. what does that actually mean, though? Mm. And in my head, what that meant was that Harbir was going to agree with all of my morals mm. and ways of living and practicing Sikhi. And we were just going to get better at doing that, mm. <laughs> doing my version of Sikhi. Whereas that didn't end up being the case. And, and I feel that it's been such a... that, that That's why I feel marriage is just like is such a powerful experience in terms of developing your sikhi spiritual spiritual jivan on a level that is beyond the rules and regulations because you have to actually develop certain qualities you have to loosen your hold on beliefs which my understanding now is that that's part of the ego because it's all vichar thoughts and beliefs that all comes within thragun which we'll do another video on um, and, you know, actually when you go beyond thought, when you, when you go above Maya, when you go into Jodhapad or when you go into your true home, there are no thoughts. So there are no beliefs. So there are, there is no conflict. Mm-hmm. There's just love and connection and oneness. And the more time I think we've tried, we've kind of been forced to spend there. Cause when you suffer enough, <laughs> you find, you try to find a solution and that seemed to be the solution that's worked consistently for us, which is that when we have spent more time doing Simran or coming above Dragon, trying to, 
then we're more aligned. Even if on a worldly level, our beliefs are still very different. That was a very long answer, but. And to add a bit of context, it wasn't just one way. It was, I thought holidays were anti-Gurmat because all the Pracharaks I knew, (laughs) none of them were on holidays and they just spent all of their time doing Bart and Simran. So Dashanko was very used to going on holidays. And that was her version of Sikhi was you, you, you go to places and you look at Qudrat and mountains and you remember Vaigru, but mm. um, we would have this conflict and I would say, oh, you're going to waste that money. You could give it to charity or, you, you know, the these these realms and these mountains, this is all inside of us. And the Shabbat's related to that. And the now we've come to a point where we think those things are really irrelevant. What's more important is the outcome that we want to have a successful relationship and we want to have compromise and we want to have understanding. We want to give the other person the benefit of the doubt. But I think when you're new to a relationship, uh, dating or courting or marriage, I think it's uh, very difficult in the initial stages because your, your alignment is not necessarily the same. And it reminds me of a Shabbat and Gubani about ho mere pai that when you have these arguments, these conflicts, which the Banj create, then if you can get to a point or you have good Sangat or good mentorship where they motivate you to sit down together, do Kirtan together, do Simran together, do Gurbani Vichar together, then it helps with the alignment. Mm. So you're able to give the other person the benefit of the doubt. And just to explain that, Shabd Hoy Ekatar Melo Mere Pai, like come together, Hoy Ekatar Melo Mere come together, Melo meet, Melo Mere Pai, Dubda Dur, that's where duality comes away, Karo Levelai, and connect to live, Vaigru Akal Purk, the path of live, Satogun, which again we can come to qualities of compassion, um, humility, tolerance, patience, contentment. And um like build your connection to Nam. Gurmukabas or Safa Bashai. I don't know the translation of that. <laughs> Come um, together and Safa um congregation on a on a Safa Bashai, like a mat. Yeah. Like a kind of but I think that that Shabbat kind of saved our marriage and the pract- practical implementation of that, which is coming together and connecting to Nam, connecting to the Simran. Because then you can come away from that duality, that sense of separation of me versus you, and you—you, I guess you have an experience of oneness and connection with the one. And then, as that, as you have those experiences, then you—it's—it's it's not enough to know, right? It's not enough just to read it and be like, okay, so we're supposed to come together and we're supposed to do the simran, and then miraculously we'll we'll be all right. Like I think for for me, and it took me a long time to um, to open myself up to an experience of oneness, like through Simran and meditation, because I was very much in my head, very much my Sikhi was intellectual. It was very much about having the knowledge and again knowing the right things to do and to believe. Like I I knew loads of Gurbani and loads of translations. You knew very little, and I was used to correct you but you were the one who had the better character. <laughs> and so some point along the way, I was like, this, something's not right here. Um, I'm doing something wrong. But it's only when I opened myself up to the experience of doing Simran 
with with the grace of Vaiguru and mentor very good mentorship from people who who were doing Simran themselves. Um, that then you feel different within your body. So when a conflict arises or when a difference of, of beliefs arises, then you can when you do the Simran, then you feel you that doesn't matter anymore. Like it actually feels different within you. You know, sometimes when there's a conflict, the you know, the anger rises up or the anxiety, the fear, and your nervous system goes all crazy and you're releasing the stress hormones and then you feel anxiety, you could palpitations, or even with anger, you feel tension. And that that cycle of thoughts, feelings, phys the physicality and, and the behavior, that just when you're doing the Simran and you connect to um, to the Simran, your nervous system settles down. And instead your parasympathetic, we know this now, don't we, Benji, that the parasympathetic nervous system comes on, which is the rest and digest, mm -hmm. where you're flooded with oxytocin, which is the love hormone instead of the stress hormone. And so you physically feel very different within your body. And so having that, doing the Simran actually when the conflict's happening, you do the Simran and then you feel like, actually, this conflict's not so bad. It looks mm -hmm. different when you're not mm -hmm. under the influence of stress hormones. Everything looks differently then, doesn't it? And um, What so, do you think, Ben? Yeah, what are your thoughts? So I, I think that sounds beautiful and it's amazing to hear, you know, that you, it's not amazing to hear that you have issues, but it's amazing to hear how you, you overcome the issues and you found a way forward. But I think, a question in a lot of people's minds is that's fine I'm willing to do the work but he's not or she's not and you know I really want to make a go of it I'm trying hard you know I want to you you know connect to guru I want to connect to Sikhi but that other person is not interested so for me the question for you guys is you know what, what do you say to that person who feels like they're doing everything they can do but the other person's just not making the same effort Someone asked me this as a comment on the basics podcast. They said, you know, we really want to walk this path, but my partner doesn't. And when we got married and we went to stay in India and when we were doing Simran at the camps in India, it was, which was his idea of a honeymoon, by the way, the men were saying stuff <laughs> to the women. And in the room that I was staying in, there was probably six to eight other men and none of them apart from one, had their wife there. Mm -hmm. There was one guy who had got into it from New York and his wife was, he said, you know, she was fashionable and she was really into a completely different way of life. And when he talks to her about his experiences and how he's getting so much bliss, then she'll say, well, you're not, this isn't who I married. You know, you weren't like this. So why should I change? Mm -hmm. Which is a fair point. <laughs> and me and Darshankor, she's changed for the better and I've probably changed for the worse over the years. So there is that give and take in a relationship. But my point is that I don't know many people who are exactly the same in their marriage journey. It may be that at some point you have to carry the ship, steer the ship. And on other points that may transition in the marriage. Mm -hmm. I have a, a close friend of mine and we were all dating prior to being getting married. And then three of us, not we weren't dating each other, the three guys, but <laughs> we were we were all dating, we were all in relationships, and then we all got into Sikhi. And two of us broke off those relationships because we wanted to walk a different way of life and the other person wasn't on the same page. And one of us chose to stay in that relationship, even though his wife wasn't into it. And now this is going 10, 15 years later, 
she's the one that is having santia she's the one that's doing the simran she's the one that's carrying that mm-hmm. that family so i don't have a, necessarily have the answer but i feel that it's important to have that compassion that you always talk about benji mm-hmm. that actually this is a sanjog if you're married you've done love and for guru granth sahib ji maharaj that's, that's a serious thing it's a serious commitment marriage and regardless of what your faith or belief is it's a it's a serious commitment nobody gets into marriage with the intention to um break it off so i think it's really important to invest in that just keep doing what you need to do and then guru kripa hopefully over time things will change i think for me it was a bitter sweet understanding that came eventually after lots of conflict and differences of opinion um which was that at the end of the day your life and your jeevan and it it's just you so we've got all this conditioning about what marriage is meant to be like it's meant to be this thing where you finally find that other half and you come together and then you're complete and then you can live you can finally start living your life and that that's so strong that is so embedded within everything that we're exposed to growing up disney films romantic comedies mm-hmm. books bollywood everything um and 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 we're even told these things by people around us that have had completely different experiences to that but they still this rhetoric continues and i think that when you actually do get married and you and it's tough which i've i as, mm. as far as we're aware of pretty much every single couple we know that's got married has struggled and it's like if you were to expect that already it wouldn't be such a shock to the system mm. if you were, and and then so when we did struggle and you keep struggling and you're like actually this person isn't going to complete me <laughs> you come to that realization and either at that point you you make there's two paths you can go down right either you just ditch that relationship and you think actually somebody else is going to be better able to complete me so that's when you mm. separate and then you you go for that to that you know other person or you'll spend your life searching for that thing that will complete you or with you know guru's grace we had access to the to the wisdom of sikhi spirituality which is that nobody can complete you and so when you start on that path of looking for self completion internal completion then it lessens the pressure on the other person mm-hmm. Yeah. and then you don't have to wait for somebody else to do anything because as far as you're concerned you're on a on a path um a spiritual path and that person is there to complement but not in ways that you might necessarily think they're there to complement maybe they're there to teach you something maybe the conflict is is meant to push you towards deepening your development and the shabad and gurbani purab janam ke mile sanjogi that the sanjog that you have is from pichle pichle janam that that relationship that union is is already preordained but ante kona sahai is the next line that follows it at the end nobody's going to be your support so it's that recognition that um you know this sanjog is a beautiful thing but ultimately you're going to leave alone and you're going to you know you you're going to have to whatever karm that you enact is is going to lead to whatever outcome based on that and helps to take the pressure off a little bit of the other person like you know you didn't do this or I mean there was a time when anything that was going wrong for me I could just say oh her beast it's your fault because <laughs> you didn't 
Again, and it's the socks again. And he still doesn't put the socks in the laundry basket. But like, that's okay on days when I'm centered, you know, when I'm not expecting. But there are times when, you know, that can be enough to just like be like, it's your fault. Everything's your fault. The Mm -hmm. socks, the dishes not being done. We're literally airing our dirty laundry, but... (laughs) We could talk about yeah. our arguments. We could have a whole podcast like yeah. episode on our arguments. But yeah. once, when we used to argue a lot, which we, you know, God's grace, Guru Kippa, we don't argue uh, very much anymore. Yeah. Um, that's taken a long time to get to that point. And it's down to you. But no. there down were. Down to me that it's taken a long time to get to that No, it's down to you that we don't argue anymore because you're so patient. No, no. But um, there were times when we would get to the end of an argument like three days later. <laughs> And then we think, why were we annoyed again? What was the argument about? And it it's crazy how the bunch can cause so much conflict where you think, oh, actually, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. Yeah. Oh, I hate this person or it's all this person's fault or I was better off by myself. When it's over, you don't even remember what it's over. Like nothing, nothing crazy has happened, but the bunch will still find mm-hmm. some way to separate you. Some and when way to you're cause talking about the bunch, you meaning... Which English translation is Lust, anger, lobe is greed, more attachment, hankar is eager. And in Gurbani it says, not that I know much Gurbani, you guys please correct me, but um is dehime panj chorvase kam kro lo mohankara amrat lute manmuk nehibuje koina sunepukara. And so, so within the body is dehi andar. Dehi is body, Panjjor Vasya, the Panjjor reside, this five chor. Kaam krodh lob mohankar, amrit lute, manmuk nahi bujja. Like they steal your amrit, you could see that as your internal peace or you could see that as the ambrosial nectar that we all have within us that we experience when we connect to the one. Amrit lute, manmuk nahi bujja. Koena sunay pukara, the manmuk doesn't understand what's going on, doesn't understand that game, that it's actually the Panjjor that are creating this, staging this drama creating this conflict. And nobody hears the cries of the manmuk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we start to have the awareness, I think that, that show would save our marriage as well because it's like you, you start to realize that this is not you fighting your husband. Mm-hmm. This is a bigger game going on, which is the panjjora uh, fighting each other. Mm-hmm. The chagra, the conflict is between the panj, jagrat janam gavaya. And, and you know, why saw that very clearly in our marriage that year after year after year, we'd still be fighting. So you spend your whole life, like we spend little time with each other. We were working full time. You see each other for a few hours in the morning. You sleep eight hours. Yeah, You've you see each other a few hours, hours in the together. evening. Yet the panj are so strong and uh, that, and the mind is so weak that you can spend your whole lives year after year after year in engaged in the same conflict in the same distress in the same dukkha and so when we when you start to understand and you see so we're in the middle of conflict and i see herbir and he's like proper fired up now i can either see herbir is how dare he respond to me like that or look at me like that and be angry with me and or i can see right now his panchura blinding him they've put a jal over his eyes his ears Gal jal jehva arneni, putting a net over the jehva, the tongue, the neni, the eyes, and he's blinded right now. And whatever's coming out of his mouth is influenced by the panj. It's not him. His atma is there, but right now it's he. It's not Harbi, It's not my husband. It's not my, you know, sanjogi. Mm-hmm. 
And then I can, if I can have that awareness in that moment, then I can step away. What do you think, Benji? Yeah, no, I, I would agree. And I think what I'm hearing is, is, is almost that detachment from knowing it's not that person that is causing yeah. the conflict um, in our relationship or it's not necessarily even, you know, for me, it would always be, you know, I'm not good enough or it's my anger or it's my problem. But it's just almost disidentifying from that part of you because Mara just telling us we're Jyotsuru, that we're the divine light of Vaiguru and that's our true nature. But actually there's this game at hand almost that there's these five thieves, as Maharaj calls them, that causes conflict within us and within our relationships and just identifying that actually there's something beyond that, that, you know, if we're all part of the Ikungar, we're all part of that oneness and we can identify what's working against us, then we can work. And for me, it's always about solutions. So then we can identify where the problem is. And if we know what the problem is, we can work on the solution. So, you know, that that's great to hear, like, you know, that there's hope that even if, you know, you feel like it's the last resort that you're really not getting on or you've been going at this for years, you know, maybe taking this different perspective that actually, you know, something is, is rising up within you and rising up within that person, but that's not who you actually are. It's also reassuring to, again, you know, not in that way, but it's reassuring to hear that, you know, it's something that you work on. It's not something that you see in Bollywood or you see in Disney that actually it, for me, if you're asking me personally, I, the way that I see life at the moment is that everything that's happening on the outside is a reflection of what's going on inside of you. So if you're in conflict with your partner, with your family member, with anybody, your colleagues at work, it's actually a reflection of something that's triggering within you. There's some sort of belief that you're holding within yourself. So for me, you know, marriage has been really interesting because neither myself or my husband were into Sikhi when we got married. I mean, I learned the moon month at university because I got a poster from the Sikh society. I didn't join the Sikh society. I just got the poster and brought it home, stuck it up on the mm. wall. Um, and he, he wasn't necessarily into Sikhi. And for me, it came out of a lot of personal, you know, duk, you know, uh, pain, physical pain. So I was coming on this journey and he wasn't. And the more I would pull him and push him and say, you know, come, come, this is amazing. The more he'd be like, I'm not doing it. You know, he was drinking, not a lot, but just socially, socially. you know, his hair was cut. And there was a lot of judgment coming up from me about the process. Um, and it's a bit, I always put it like, it's a bit like, you know, when you go to a restaurant or you try a new type of food and you're like, try it, it's amazing. Or you go on holiday and you're like, try it, it's amazing. And you really want that person to taste it from a good place but that person just doesn't like Chinese food. It's like you can't make them <laughs> like it. Mm. So for me, it was actually, and, and I heard this from a lot of places. I would go to a lot of camps and I would go by myself and, you know, I really wanted to take Amrit. Like that was like the dream. And it was like, oh no, you can only take it with your other half kind of thing. Mm. And that really, like it would make me desperate, but it would cause that, again, that galish, it would cause that problem between me and him. But then somebody said to me once, it's, it's your journey. It's all about you. It's not about the other person. If you're focusing on him, you're not focusing on your own Sikhi and your own Jeevan. And then I realized that actually it was, it was just going to be, this is the focus. This is my path. I'm going to focus on it. He's allowed to have his path. But that doesn't mean we're going to separate. It just means, like Benji was saying, is 
the more I focus on those guns, the more I focus on becoming that better person, having those qualities, the better things will get. And, you know, for me, it, you know, it was like when I let go of that, that expectation or that desire for him to come on the path, it just kind of happened. Like he felt the pressure was off and he chilled and then he would come along to every, you know, program once in a while or, you know, come to the camp with us if we were going to a Sikhi camp. And then he went on his own separate journey. And even now to this day, his Sikhi looks completely different to my version of Sikhi. I'm like really passionate. And he's just kind of, he's in Sej about it. And and for me as well, like Benji was saying, I realized that actually I need to work on it really, really hard because I'm the one who needs to do the work. He actually already has a lot of those qualities of like, especially contentment that it was whatever I was seeing outside of me, the desperation, the, the judgment um, was actually a reflection of how I felt about myself. So I think that's really important that, you know, don't give up hope on that relationship because all that relationship is doing is reflecting what you need to work on. And mm. if you get to that point where you're like, I've done everything I can do. I'm the best version of me. And actually it's still not working. Mm. Then you can say, actually, you know, it's time to call it quits. But if you feel like you still have a lot of work to do, then let's, let's do that work first. And let's keep focusing on our gun, increasing our virtues. And if, if that is the key, which I found for me, it was actually, I was the one who needed to change, mm. then see how it goes from there. But to follow on from that, what I would say is, there's this word that's become a bit of a dirty word at the moment, which is compromise. And for, for someone who's, you know, I'm used to be into a lot of, a lot of self-development, you know, there's all this thing about, you know, your truth. It's all about your truth and it's all about don't compromise, you know, this is who you are. The other person should just accept you as you are. And I kind of understand from one perspective where that's coming from. But in terms of Gurbani, is, is that what Guru's talking about as well? And how do we understand that? So for people who are just like, well, I'm not willing to compromise. You know, this is what I wanted. This is who that person was when I married them. They've changed or they should become more like me because I'm on the right path. How, how do we kind of approach that kind of mindset, I guess, coming from the other person? I wanted to add something. Sure. Because I feel like me and Darshan Kaur set up this image that Everything is fine now. We don't have any problems. And I wanted to add a disclaimer that, did we have an argument today? No. Um, but <laughs> Last week. It's a daily process, isn't it? It's not yeah. like oh, with, with marriage. It's yeah. we, what we really want to do, what yeah. I think, is normalize the fact that yeah. in every relationship, whether that's boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, brother, sister, mother, daughter, there's going to be conflict. And that's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean your relationship is over or it's flawed yeah. or it's doomed. This is in Fariji's Bani, it talks about Uche Charke Dekhyata Karkareha Ag. Would you translate? That when I looked, you know, when I, when I looked around, there was that fire burning in every home. So they, there are issues in every household, in every family, in every relationship. No relationship is like Disney. Um, Walt, Walt sold it to us, but unfortunately, it's not like that. And it's not going to be like that. So when we have more realistic expectations, and when we know there's going to be ups and downs, and when we know what you guys are saying, which is actually the priority has to be 
us working on ourselves, not the other person mm -hmm. sorting, completing us and making us happy because that's never going to happen. And um, when we have that, when we come from that place, I think then it's easier to have the right frame of mind that is needed to make a relationship work, whatever yeah. that relationship might be, mother, son. So I had an argument with my mom like two days ago, which is quite rare. We, we don't usually argue, but with me and my mom, she'll give me space for a day. I'll give her space for a day. And then we'll just pretend nothing ever happened mm -hmm. and we'll just be back to normal. And that's just the relationship me and my mom have. And that dynamic works, but that dynamic took nearly 40 years to get to. And that's how our relationship works. And we both love each other. We're both very close and we're both happy, but it takes time. It's a process and it's a daily thing. It reminds me of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous where they talk about taking one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think relationships are very much like that. Sikhi is very much like that. Yeah. You've got to take, you know, who are you today? What are you yeah. doing today? In in Puran Singh, who is an author, um, he wrote about if you want to see someone Sikhi, look at their nitanem, look at their daily routine. Or, you know, other people say, if you want to see what somebody is really like, go and live with them mm -hmm. yeah. for a week or for a month. So that that is a daily process. Mm -hmm. It's never like a graduation where you graduate, you got your certificate or your driving test, you passed. You can be the most terrible driver now for the rest of your life. As long as you get that pass. Sikhi relationships, life is an everyday yeah. struggle and an everyday process of you wake up and you start again. Um, like you wake up every morning and you start to fight the bunch every day mm. it's not you're one and done type of thing and so I don't just wanted to mm. add a disclaimer that we're not trying to say that our relationship is perfect or that we have it all figured out we'll probably have an argument as soon as we, we stop finish, recording yeah. yeah but we are working on it and yeah. we're, we just want to normalize it because there are not many people talking about this kind of stuff, that actually it is important to have conflict in marriage and in relationships. It's how you manage it because conflict is not necessarily an... Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's more that it's an inevitable almost part of being a human being because, you know, we're all reminded in Gurbani that, like, it sounds a bit morbid, it sounds a bit negative, but it's not. It's Baba Bikadekya Sansar, that this Sansar is what well, Bik is translated as poison. And so when you're in this dish, this in in because this isn't our dish. We are man, we are Jotsarup. We we live here, but you know, we live in this 3D reality. But Dada Dera Ehenahi, Jahadera Tejan, like this Dera, this isn't our true home. And then it's Jahadera Tejan. Find out, you know, where your true home actually is. Because in this home, in Kalda Desh, there is conflict. There, there is duk. There is suk sometimes. Then there's duk, and there's suk, and there's duk, and that is just the way that the the game is plays out and is created. And whereas what Gurbani encourages us, is us to do is to go to our true home where there is eternal suk. So the problem is if you're searching for suk here, you you might find it very temporarily, but you're not going to find it for very long. Whereas if you go to your true home and you get really good at going there, your Nijkar, Dasam Dwar, Begum Purasher, you go to that place and you get really good at doing that breath by breath by breath. Because the moment you come back down from your home into Thregun, you go into Trishna, desires, hopes, you know, um, jealousy, hatred, Banjjur, 
then, you know, so it's the breath by breath, you know, with each breath, if you start having certain vijad, then you're going to be thoughts, then you're going to come back into maya. When you come above that, you go back and you, we have to learn. And this is something that I'm really personally working on at the moment because I've been sitting down to do the meditation, but sometimes during the day, my mind goes into, when it goes into thoughts, then I come back into this dish and I feel duk and I experience yeah. conflict. And we, I think it was last week we had a bit of conflict. I'm sure every week we have conflict, but that's the thing. So when we when it's like, okay, in this dish, there's bound to be sukhduk. But when you go home and you can straddle both worlds in a way. <laughs> so can we just yeah. break that down a little bit, Benji? Because yeah. these might be new concepts for other people yeah. about, so this dish that we're talking about is, I guess, a land like this human life that we've got, this existence yeah. that we have in this human body. Yeah. Is 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 not in a way it's kind of it's not real. It's not our true home. This yeah. is not where we're gonna be forever. Like even our physical body yeah. maya. That's yeah. the beginning of Maya. That's the end of our dish. When when we come into this human body in the morning, because when, when we go to sleep, we go to our home. Sunasamad, Sachi Karbara. We come into this human body, that's when the game, that's when the game starts. And so what is this home that you're talking about? The true home? The true home. Yeah, the one I visit very infrequently, unfortunately. But Gurbani tells us that our true home, Sun Samad Sache Kar, that's mm. our true home, Sun Samad. Mm. So when we come above thought, Sun, I guess, could be translated as void or space. Mm -hmm. But it's that experience that many of, of you guys will have had, and we've talked about this. And when, you, when you're doing your meditation or some, however you do, but you come into this in, intense state of presence where you're above, uh, uh, when you're above thought. And um, so when you're doing your Simran and you start to experience peace and you're not experiencing any thoughts, then you're entering into your home, which is Sun Samad. Um, so that's where, that's where our mind's true home is. And that's where we can get our, our true nourishment. That's where we can get mandi karak, our true nourishment. That's where we can have aishnan that the yeah. mind needs and all of that, all those things that we need yeah. so to, that, to be that happy. So that would be in the presence of, of Vaiguru, basically. Yeah, pos I, I mean, I, I don't know, but I know that I feel peace when I go into yeah. when there's no thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> but perhaps that's that takes you there. But Can I ask about, yeah. because thinking about other people and relatability and what other people might be experiencing and even what yeah. we experience when we have an argument yeah. it's not the easiest thing to you know to go off and do meditation and in extreme states so even if you're in love if you're infatuated yeah. with somebody if you're feeling those emotions that joy um happy every time you speak to somebody during that phase it's very difficult to then kill your vajar and yeah. then be able to meditate or be able to do gurbani vajar because your 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 mind is is very attached to this thing. But there's something so that do you... you do, which I've noticed, is that when we're in, when there's a, <laughs> when there's conflict, um, or when there's something going on, you kind of go into this space. I don't know where you go, but it's almost as if you're not allowing yourself to have vichar. Because I know, I know that's, I think that's what you're doing. But I usually get my formulations wrong with you. But I try and do the same thing, which is that when you're face to face with somebody and there's conflict. If you're if you've done a bit of practice at taking your tian away from thoughts, you can do that. It takes time, it takes practice, it takes effort, and it takes a lot of suffering to to force you to even bother doing that. But you can you can do that where you're straddling both. You're you're, you're there, mm. but you're not trying to create narratives or stories like this person's looking at me like this. That means he hates me, and 
how horrible is this? And she did that yesterday. And this is why, you know, you make those narratives, but I know you don't do that because I I mean, I've done that all my life and it creates a lot of problems because I'll be saying to you, I'm annoyed with you about this. And you did the same thing yesterday and the day before. And because this is the kind of person you are and in your character judgments and you go into these narratives. Mm. Whereas if you just rein yourself back and you don't have those vichar or you don't create the narrative, then it lessens the sting, you know. In, yeah. um, what do you think, Lindsay? So there's kind of two things that I'm taking from what you're talking about there. Yeah. One is about the thoughts, you know. What is conflict? Conflict comes from a thought. It comes from the belief that you have somehow done something that I'm not happy with or you've disrespected me or, you know, you've lied to me, whatever it is. But it all starts with a thought, a belief about something that's happened and Sometimes what the answer is, is to step back from that and to create that space between what is actually happening, what you think is happening and and the emotional charge of the situation. Mm-hmm. So for, for me, it's, it's, it's too late to wait till the conflict comes and then think that you're going to be able to step back and then go meditate that that's, it's not going to work that way. Mm-hmm. And so from my personal experience, what I found is by having a practice, you know, whether it's Simran, whether it's Girtan, whether it's Gurbani, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's journaling, I, and I use all of those in, in some capacity, it's having that practice, that spiritual practice as a daily, as a daily, you know, we talk about Nitnim, what is your daily practice? What is your death? What is the thing that keeps you in a disciplined way? Not disciplined in the sense that, you know, you have to do it, but disciplined in the sense that it keeps you grounded. It keeps you connected to something other than yourself. If you're able to create that practice, and we call it practice for a reason because we're practicing. So if we can sit in the morning, for example, in meditation and find that peace, we're practicing that. We then take that practice into our daily life. So when that situation is now in front of you, you can tune into that. You can connect to that and you can observe, you can become aware of what we talked about at the beginning, okay, this is not my husband, for example, this is the bunch chord, but I can take a break. I can go back to that place. I can breathe. I can pause and be like, okay, what's going on here? Like you said, it's not the easiest thing. You're not going to be able to do it on day one. There's a little example that I like to give with, with my daughter. Um, so she doesn't eat a lot. She's not a big eater. Um, she's quite a skinny girl. And people always used to say to me, both Maria, and in Punjabi, you know, that's one way of saying she's very skinny, but Mari is a, a kind of a loaded word. It also means bad as well. So I used to get offended when people, and I used to feel, have all these judgments about what does it mean? It means that I'm a bad mother. It means that I'm not feeding her properly. And I would go into a state of fear. And essentially, you know, when there's any conflict, it's coming from a place of fear in our lives. So one day she's come home from school and she's not having a dinner and I, and I get into one of my tantrums and I'm like, why are you not eating? You never eat. You're so skinny. You're going to get ill. And all of a sudden I observed myself in that place and I was like, oh, I'm shouting at her. And I'd heard something earlier in the day and it was about where there's anger on that same spectrum on the other end is compassion. So every time you feel angry, can you come into a place of compassion? So I'm, and these are the thoughts in my head as I'm kind of verbally basically, you know, shouting at her. And I thought, how do I bring in compassion? So I stopped talking straight away and I thought, okay, bringing compassion. So I just said to her, but why are you not eating? And she was like, oh, Baba gave me a packet of crisps and a chocolate bar when he picked us up from school. 
And that was really powerful for me because I think Viktor Frankl, you, you would have heard about, you know, Viktor Frankl and he has this book about being in Auschwitz, being in Nazi concentration camps. And I don't remember the quote, but he's talking about basically before you respond, between the thought and the response, if there's a pause, and if you can find that pause, like mm. that empowers you to make a choice in your life. So mm. for me, it's that practice. How do I bring in that pause? I could feel the anger in my body when I was talking to my daughter. I could see the words coming. I could hear them coming out of my mouth. But just by taking that pause and connecting to compassion, I was able to ask a question. And that situation wasn't real. It wasn't that she's refusing to eat and I'm a bad mother. It was just, you know, Papa gave her the snacks. That's what grandparents do, right? And then it, you know, that kind of resolved the situation because then I asked her to, you know, go off and play and she came back and she ate and it kind of changed her relationship with food a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. But to bring that into a relationship, into marriage is the power of a pause. Like it is, it's not just the pause, it's what comes before the pause and that's a practice. So if we can invest and it's not going to work a hundred percent of the time, but sometimes for me, the awareness would come after I'd had an argument with somebody and I could reflect on it then and be like, okay, I could have paused at that point. Then later on, it was like, okay, as I was talking in that particular instance, then the awareness came and eventually, you know, it, it can come before you even say it as you feel those emotions rising up and it's not fail safe, but it's a practice. So it's like building a muscle. The more I can connect, the more I can practice, the more I can pause in that reaction. What, what do you guys think? I find what you're saying really interesting because reflecting on it, it feels like we have these two lives. Mm -hmm. We have this internal life of what's going on in our head and our interpretation of a situation or an interaction and then what actually is visible. Mm -hmm. And those two generally may not be coherent. Mm -hmm. Our internal experience and what we present may be very different. And thinking about it from a male's perspective and a men's mental health perspective when I did that talk on male suicide uh, I looked at statistics on why people say that they what was the impetus behind it and often it was conflict with uh, somebody like a friend family member or a spouse so on the outside there may be conflict but it may not seem anything unusual but on the inside that person's really suffering and I think there's two things that can come out of suffering. We can even, there's that Shabbat, which I never implement, but in Gurbani it talks about Diva Mera Ekanam Dukvich Paya Tel, that you know, th th there's a Diva, which is a lamp, like a lamp, candle. 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 And then the fuel for that is is pain. And I think, like with Benji, you talked about your physical pain, that led you on the spiritual journey potentially with me it was probably my emotional pain from my background in terms of the situation i was in um, the spiritual path was a great alternative and a great escape from what was happening on the outside mm -hmm. um and her circumstances were different family was different she's come from a very big family as opposed to a small family but going back to the mental mental health thing i think it's really important to have an avenue to vent that suffering. So when we've been in conflict, things that have worked when we haven't had, I haven't had a strong enough simran practice or sangha 
or Gurbani Vichar is in the heat of the moment, where the conflict with someone is going for a walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'd go for a walk for 10 minutes. And within you know, walking to the end of the street, I'd feel like, was that really worth it? Was it really worth blowing up over, you know, the milk being run out or something? You know, just sometimes you get wound up over little things which are really in the bigger picture, completely irrelevant. But when you're not in a good state of mind, it's easy to do. So I'm thinking of strategies that men can potentially implement because I know we as a gender are are prone to things like alcoholism, suicide, all of these types of things because we we perhaps don't have as many strategies or we're not as good at dealing with this with the suffering that we're experiencing mm-hmm. on the inside mm-hmm. so going for a walk was a good one talking to a friend was a good one just being able to um have a heart to heart and do duksuk together and um going training, training <laughs> was a good one it just completely it. switches you off puts you in a different frame of mind especially martial arts if you're trying to choke somebody out just you stop thinking about anything else and <laughs> you can get your aggression out not just choke somebody out in the street i mean if you're doing brazilian jiu-jitsu or something and you're fighting somebody it puts you in that moment and in that space and you forget about everything else so that that is a good one um just things other than alcohol which we know is a depressive and a sedative mm-hmm. and it's not a long-term solution it's mm-hmm. not even a short-term solution mm-hmm. and it will make us worse even in the short term so if we're not at the stage where we're as good as you guys in terms of how we respond, then I think those are some short-term strategies that someone going for a walk, exercise, talking to a friend, also just taking yourself out of the scenario. So mm-hmm. when I was younger, I would, if I felt a bit not right, I would go and drive up and stay with my friend in Coventry for the weekend. And just that change of scenery and being around different people, it would help yeah. me. Uh, it would help me vent and disconnect and and feel rejuvenated, even though I may yeah. not have talked about the issue at all. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I would I would I would resonate with that as well. So for me, you know, especially when you've got children, especially young children, it's often hard to take that space away. You can't necessarily go and drive and see a friend, but that there's a mental retreat as well and there's a physical retreat so you know for me I, I talk about it quite openly is you know the bathroom is, is an amazing place for me <laughs> is when I feel that rising up within me even if the conflict has happened and it's not that I never experience conflict it's just that I find over time I'm able to deal with it much better is you know I will just excuse myself and go to the bathroom you know and sometimes for me it's like I can go and cry in the bathroom openly and I can get release that emotion and then get some composure you know the question that I always love to ask is, is it true? So, you know, if this person has said to me, I'm going to have all these thoughts about what it means is they don't care and they did it on purpose. And then I'll be like, oh, is it really true? And most of the time, once, you know, the storm has passed, it's like, no, it's not true. That person does care. That person just had a difference of understanding of what the situation was. And then I can come back. And I I even use that with the kids is, you know, if I feel the tension, my son is, you know, he's 12 now. So the changes are happening. So it's just like, how can I step back? And he knows as well, he'll he'll go up to his room and we don't need to talk about it. We've had an argument. We don't need to talk about it. He's gone up to his room. And the reason we don't need to talk about it is because within 15, 20 minutes, either I will be up there apologizing or he will be apologizing to me. At the beginning, we had to talk about it. We had to figure out what had happened, but now it's getting to that point 
hopefully, Maharaj Girpa, that actually we can just be aware that, you know, talking openly, this, this was the Panchchur, but that wasn't you and it wasn't me. It's like something came up within you, something came up within me, but it, it wasn't real. It wasn't who we are. And can we move forward from that? And yes, it's going to be difficult, you know, um, and I think that's it. And, you know, a lot of us feel like we're in these uncontrollable situations, overwhelming situations. You know, I can't do that. And and you can hear the vichar, I can hear them in my mind. I can't do that. And I can't do that. And, you know, you don't understand my situation, but we've got to start somewhere because if we keep doing the same thing we've always done, we're always going to have the same outcome. So, you know, start start with that, start with the walk, start with talking to a friend. Just kind of on the back of that on a slightly different subject is sometimes what, what I, I notice um, with, with some relationships is there's almost sometimes feels like there's this other person. So, and, and I don't mean to kind of um, generalize and say, oh yeah, it's always the woman who goes off and tells them mom and, you know, where does kind of talking to somebody else become kind of ninda jugli and become a source of more conflict? And where can it become an out- outlet? I personally, from our experience, we've seen marriages break up because rather than couples resolving things themselves, mm-hmm. they will go to a parent and then that parent will, not deliberately, but their response may not have been the most helpful. Mm-hmm. And then things escalate. And when families are involved or friends are involved and someone feels like, the, there's a betrayal in terms of trust and confidence of what they've said to, you know in a relationship what's happening then i i personally feel like that's not necessarily helpful i think vice versa as well couples that have kept their conflict or issues to themselves and not felt able to share with anybody and then just called it quits because they just don't have they haven't felt able to access the support mm-hmm. so i think it's a tricky one isn't it? Because I remember when we early years of our marriage, you know, I would often get my parents involved all the time. And I was fortunate that they tried not to be biased. Although obviously it's hard not to be biased, but uh, you know, I, I always felt that they were rooting for us to be together as opposed to siding with one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can often happen, right? When, when you go to your parents, they're going to get emotional. They're going to get upset. They might get defensive. They might blame you know mm. the the partner and things so and also with friends you yeah. know the, i can remember one instance where i told a friend something that happened he was like i would never allow anybody to treat mm. me like that and i thought well that's not probably the most helpful thing i need to hear right now <laughs> um what are you trying to say <laughs> and um that i'm a doormat so so i think, I think it's, it's a process of learning and i think the that it's tricky trying to be open to learning what's going to work for your relationship like I think you get a sense I I guess you have to put yourself a little bit on the line um, at the beginning when you confide in somebody because you don't know what the response is going to be but then maybe over time if you you still feel able to trust if you've had a bad experience you get to know the people in your circle who are going to support you in the way that you want because I feel intuitively deep down, because we've got that Atma, divine light, source of all wisdom, we, we kind of know yeah. what how we need to be guided and supported. Yeah. And if we've got somebody who can speak to that part of us and, yeah. and make that grow, yeah. then that that's really helpful, I think. 
think sorry I really, to, sorry. Sorry to interrupt, Benji. I just wanted to say something before I forget related to your interaction with your son. I really liked how you said that, you said to him, this is the punch. It's not. Mm. And I think that's really important in any kind of relationship, regardless of whether that's mm. husband mm. and wife. Because, you know, I can, particularly in the early stages of our marriage, I remember saying to Darsh, well, you're like this, you know. Yeah. Or she would say, you're like this because this reason because you grew up like this or something like that you know she she loves her formulations because she's <laughs> yeah, a psychologist that's it but she doesn't do that anymore and i've tried not to label her as much anymore because yeah. we have enough self negative self-talk as it is we don't necessarily need the person we love or the person we whose opinion we value to say you're like this or you're an angry person mm-hmm. or you're just but at the same time, if somebody is saying that, you can see that that's coming from a place of, of pain and mm-hmm. the bunge, really. Yeah. Because as soon as you start using that strong language, the body language changes, the eyes change, you you, you know that that's not, that that's not mm-hmm. that divine. And absolutes, yeah. I think, are yeah. not very helpful. Mm-hmm. So you, which I do. Never. I'm always. thinking about myself. Mm-hmm. You, you always do this, right? She might have done it twice in 11 years. You always <laughs> do this and you... Every you you've done this every single time we have an argument. You do this, and she's like, "Well, I think this is the first time." But um, <laughs> and it's those those absolutes. Just these are more pragmatic tips yeah. in a conflict mm-hmm. for conflict resolution. Is just be careful about. I'm talking to myself here to be careful about absolutes. Mm-hmm. You're like this, and you're always like this, and labeling. Yeah, and if if you're able to regulate yourself in the way that you guys have been speaking about you have that toolkit then naturally you won't be saying those things because we only say those things when we're dysregulated when our nervous system goes into that fight flight then the person we see in front of us appears to be the enemy because that's the way we are wired that if we go and if our nervous system just detects there's a threat or somebody challenging you automatically go into this fight flight place where you can't see what's real and the person in front of you is your enemy, regardless of whether that's your partner or not. Yeah. And so you become defensive. You have this armor up. You hate the person that you're, and, and, and then you're like, oh my God, if I hate this person, you know, was there something wrong with me? Is it because we're not working? Whereas in that state, um, you are not thinking straight. <laughs> you are not making, you know, informed judgments. You are not accessing your wisdom, you know. So that's another thing which is don't necessarily trust your thoughts when you're in that state. Mm -hmm. In fact, don't trust them. Get yourself back to a place of calm through taking a walk, through the journaling, whatever it is, the Simran, and then you'll see things very differently. So it's, you know, I think, yeah. And Wahidi, you talk about, um, and Benji, you talk about wearing rose-cutted lenses. And I think when you're Dukhi, I'm talking about personal experience. When I've woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I haven't done the things that I need to do, my nithanam or enough simran or haven't done sangat or I've watched too much Netflix or the too much of the bad stuff and not enough of the good stuff. I everything I'm wearing those rose colored lenses. So dark colored, isn't it? Dark colored or whatever. <laughs> well, everything's negative then. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, negative. Sorry. So yeah, then yeah. everything becomes a problem. You know the mm. way Darshan Gore walks or uh, <laughs> you know the roti is too brown today or you know it's not like I'm glad she made me roti today um, it's like oh why is it burnt or um, yeah so yeah. all of those types of things so I think it's important to when you're dukkhi then everything is bad so it's, yeah. uh, it's important to be aware of that that yeah. that duk has that effect to taint every experience in our life and the opposite when we are in the right mindset 
and this is yeah. what this series is about the mindset series to help us get to that right right mindset and help us with awareness of having the right mindset then everything our perception of everything changes yeah. and with our perception of everything changes our life changes so there's a a little exercise that we were doing uh, a little retreat that we went to recently and it was like we were talking about relationships but it was like what happens on a good day so when you've had a good night's sleep um when you've done whatever your spiritual practice is um how do your relationships feel then are you better able to deal with the exact same we were talking about children you know the kids are on holiday and they're winding you up first thing in the morning how do you feel and it's like yeah i can cope with it you know i don't react but as the day went on towards the evening it was like all of a sudden that same thing that other person was doing is now really annoying you and you're getting angry so what was important to recognize there was it was not the child or the other person that has changed what changed was your internal state and i think that's really important to be aware of that and that's what basically what you were saying as well is when you're doing the things to keep you in a good place when you're filling your spiritual cup to say then it doesn't matter what's going on around you you're in a much better place to be able to deal with that if you're feeling loved if you're you know connecting to peace if if you even if the sun is shining in my case i will have a much better day than if it's cold outside but it's important to recognize that, that that's how i'm feeling internally and that's what's deciding what my thoughts are today and my reactions are today and what my relationships look like but if i'm having a bad day then obviously that's going to impact it as well and so what we did at the end of that kind of little session that we were doing was okay acknowledge all the issues you might have in your life right now and let's try and do a little bit of meditation now and then see how you feel because if you feel much calmer and much more peaceful and happier by the end of that which is what most people will say it's kind of like is evidence right it's not the external situation that is causing your suffering it's actually how you're feeling inside and it also proves for me is okay there's a solution to this and it it's going to take time is the muscle that we have to train but actually part of our suffering is not knowing what to do not knowing how to overcome it but if we know that we are empowered with that key maraj talks about karmi apo apni you know guru's given us this power of will to to do something for ourselves and if we can take that up and know that we can do something for ourselves to make any situation whether it's physical illness mental illness relationship issues if we can start to work on that and and take you know the support of sangat take the support of you know whatever those practices are that guru's given us and start to implement them then you know we can feel a little bit of change and, and that just gives us hope right and you can ask your question Ji. and maybe we could all give our interpretation what is love because i was watching netflix yesterday and there was there was a show about people on the spectrum and they were trying to find love and it was really interesting to hear perspectives on what love means mm-hmm. and so for some of these people while you're thinking about your answers there were there were answers around we watched beauty and the beast and this prince charming is going to come and i'm going to experience love and i'm going to be happy mm-hmm. and is that really the case mm-hmm. and is that are we in similar boat are we waiting for love to come from somewhere else sure. Sure. and what is it what are we what is that love that we're waiting for 
So there's two things that came up for me. Um, one was to, to go back to a memory of, you know, when I, when I recognized that I was in love with my husband. Um, and, and the word that comes up for me is vipurva. Like it was carefree, like not, anything could happen in the world and it wouldn't matter to me. Like nothing could touch me. So it's that touch nothing feeling. And for me, you know, that's what Sikhi is about is to connect to that place where, you know, nothing can touch you. So that that's a good yeah. definition of love. I feel like that, that's yeah. a good expression of a feeling that of a feeling to describe something that's very difficult to describe. Yeah. Sorry. The second word was feeling whole. So we, you talked earlier about, you know, we feel like the other person should complete us, but actually just by our very nature, we are already complete. We just forget that we're complete. So for me, that's what love is, is, is you feel whole. You don't feel like there's anything missing, but that's the feeling you can only get from the inside, from, from connecting to what your true nature is. It's not, you're not going to feel whole by someone giving you something that's only going to be a temporary thing. But if you can find that within yourself, that then that's what love is to me. Why do you, what do you think of what what is love? But also, I was listening to a Shabbat yesterday, and it was Gobind Prem Pagataka Pukha. And if you can talk about that, because what is what is love? But also, what is the love that God wants from us? I think I, I was feeling that when love is for me, you can talk about me if you want. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to talk about our mother and father, our true mother and father, oh. the divine, the source from where we came. You can talk about that as well. <laughs> a bit. You know, like you know, we're always looking to feel at home. For me, love is is finally feeling at home, similar to feeling whole. Mm-hmm. Which is we're always looking for, oh, when am I just going to feel, you know, everything's mm-hmm. just right. I feel at home. I feel settled. Um, and I think that, you know, when we get those glimpses of connecting to the divine, um, to Vaiguru, to our true mother and father, then you get a glimpse of that feeling and it feels amazing. And so for me, that's what love is. It's that feeling of um, going back to your your true mom and dad who are are the only ones capable of giving that unconditional Mm -hmm. love. And what, what is it for both of you? What is what love? What is love to you? What is the love? <laughs> no, no, please don't. <laughs> what is the love that God wants? So for me, I have a different interpretation. So Gobind Pao Pagatka It's not, for me. My understanding is that it's not that Vaiguru is hungry for our love. It's that Vaiguru is hungry for us to feel that love that is already within us. That is that you know that. Vaiguru is that love and Guru's hungry for us to feel that because Guru is complete and we are complete and all that's incomplete is our understanding of that that truth of who we are, which is love, right? I agree with everything. Yeah, I think it's, um, love is a very powerful um, thing that can only be experienced probably and it's not something that you give to another person or you receive but it's something that you experience maybe yeah and and then if you if you are the embodiment of love mm-hmm. or you've merged with love vaiguru then you you are just you you're emanating love mm-hmm. and then everything around you is loved <laughs> feels loved as well and um yeah 
What's your understanding? I, to be honest, I think it's a difficult question. That's why I asked you guys first. And I was watching in that show, the, the people who are on the spectrum who were finding it difficult to articulate what they were feeling used, commonly used the expression of feeling warm when you get a hug. And thinking about it now, mm. that resonates with me a bit. Mm. It's that feeling when, you know, you're upset and your mom gives you a hug or when I'm hugging the dog or holding Darshko's hand or, you know, let you hold my hand. <laughs> <laughs> playing with the kids. There's, there's this feeling that I get inside, whether mm. that's neurochemical or what it is, it's difficult to, mm. to put a finger on. But there's that. And I feel like it is possible to build not from experience, but I feel like it is possible to build that relationship with God. And there was some kata I had a long time ago, and he talked about Gurbani being a reverse love letter. Mm. So usually you, you feel love towards somebody and you write them a letter. And he was saying Gurbani is the opposite. You read Gurbani and it produces love inside you that mm. Guru Sahib's Bhagatan felt at that period of time. So when you read it and you do vajar of it and your mind is present in it, I think it can, you know, it can tear you up. It can make you feel those emotions. It can mm. overwhelm you. It can make you feel that warmth inside. Yeah. And it's beyond ego. So if we're talking about joto prem kilan kachao, sirta talit like it's, you chop off your head, right? If you want to walk this path of love. So when... I'm talking about, you know, in a state of worldly love is like, there's no egos involved. Like there's no you and me, there's a se- there's no separation. You, you and that other person just become one entity. And for me, you know, Guru talks about it over and over again, that this is the path of love. This is the path of love. Uh, Guru is also saying that you need to give yourself up in order to find that. So, you know, there's something in that. There's something in what prevents love. How do we know what love is? We have to understand what love is not. And for me, love is not fear, love is not ego, love is not hate. So the further away I get from those things, the closer I get to whatever that experience of love is. And I guess going back to what you guys were saying about Tregun and Tamogun, and if, you, if you're in Kamkro, Lomohankar, Chugli, Ninda, Irka, Dubda, Dwet, then it's very difficult to have the Satoguni characteristics and to walk um, that lived up path, path that you guys were talking about but it would be really interesting to hear what other people's opinions are on love so if you can leave it in the comment box it will be very much appreciated because we've got very very narrow experiences life experiences so th- there's going to be a wealth of information that we can get from the Sangat in terms of their love worldly but also their love for Maharaj the course that you guys offer around mindset and self-development and this journey and explaining it, explaining the journey that Sikhi illuminates in easy terms. Do you discuss what love is and the importance of feeling love personally and how to do that and what Gurbani says about that? Yeah, so we, um, we reflect on the fact that we're all searching for love, don't we? And how we're all searching for wholeness, really. And where we try to look for it, and where we've yeah where we've traditionally historically tried to look for it, and where we might be able to find it when we go within and explore that internal path of self development and spirituality. 
So um, we we do we definitely we talk about it. And um, if you'd like to, if anybody would like to join, um, please uh, make a note in the comments box, and we will hopefully start adding names to a waiting list for our online course that we're in the process of creating. Um, you have a lot of demand at the moment, don't you, on the course you're currently running? So we, we do. There is a waiting yeah. list. Yeah, yeah. How many people do you have on the current course? We've we had fifty applicants, didn't we? And we have uh, so far about thirty have registered. Um, so we're very excited. Actually, it's, it's looking to be it's going to be inspirational for for all of us attendees and ourselves as well. Okay, so if you'd like to sign up for the course, um, the link will be in the description. And we'd love for you to join us on a, a journey of self development and transformation. In closing, if there's anything that any of us have said to offend anyone, then please forgive us. That was definitely not the intention. We really appreciate your feedback. Do leave us a comment in the comment box below. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with this content and make sure you hit that notification bell. Bye. 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 Bye